Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Welcome, everyone, to, uh, what is this, version three? Yeah, part three. Part three of our book club. Yeah, so we're just going to keep continuing this fun episode along um, and we are here for, you know, six more books, three each to talk about. And today, do you feel like this is encouraging us to read more? I Because do. we're doing them like quarterly? No, I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, you know, okay. So in all honesty, the last one I had read so much because I was like on a plane and stuff and on a vacation. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah. I, mm-hmm. That's fair. So that's yes, fair. I am glad we're doing this because it, it does motivate me to read and I hope it motivates all of you guys to read. Yeah. Um, this is like this is like back in the day when you were in school and you had I remember for every book you read you got like a star or whatever and if you collected a hundred like over the summer or something you would get Pizza Hut you know a coupon oh, for yeah. a free personal mm-hmm. pizza mm-hmm. I mean it's a free personal pizza from Pizza Hut but it was totally worth it I know now okay. that sounds not great at all but I do remember <laughs> back in the day back in the day that sounding amazing. And we have a great wine to drink today. We do. Textbook, Cabernet Sauvignon. Now, I don't think we have actual textbooks that we're reviewing today. No. But mm, I safe mean, to say no. So mm. that's kind of a cool little... Have you uh, read a textbook before? I haven't. No, me either. I've seen it. Uh, yeah, me too. It looks really fancy. It does. <laughs> it does. Um, and it's from Napa Valley. Yes. 13.3% ABV. 2017 vintage. And I'm going to pop, pop it. Yeah, so I don't have any textbooks, do you, that you're reviewing? Oh, no. I was okay. going to say, do I have some? Sure. Oh. But have I sat down to actually read one recently? Mm, nope. Between Adam and I, we have so many textbooks. We had to, oh, like, God. find room in our basement to, like, store them. Because and they're so heavy. They're so heavy. You can't give them away because some of them are too old. It smells Strong very smelling. nice. All right. Glug, glug, glug. Wow, look how dark that is. Well, thank you. Okay, glug, well, glug, indeed. Cheers. Cheers to books. I'm sorry. It just smells really amazing. It does. It smells like, um, I want to say boysenberry, but I don't even yeah, know what I w- I'm good with that, really? actually. Okay. Yeah, because it's like a little sweet, like, smelling, like a little bit, but it's like, it's like purpley juice, like you figure. So this is... I think it's 96% Cab, 4% Merlot. Um, I can smell the oak. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 94% Cab, 6% Merlot. Okay. I was mixed up on my numbers there. Can you smell the oak? Um, I think a little bit. You can definitely pick up. Maybe that's why it's smelling so sweet, like more of that vanillin, vanilla yeah. scent. It was aged in small French barrels, and it looks like 30% new, three-year air-dried, medium-plus toast, and hand-bent. Okay. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Oh, this is so funny. It even goes into the level of detail where it only goes through one racking and then one organic egg white fining. Okay. Wow. I that's That's very detailed. That is extreme. That's like the most detailed I've ever seen. (laughs) Wow. To be honest. So very, uh, very nice. So just so everyone understands the whole small French oak barrels, that means that you're going to have more wine to oak contacts because if you have big oak barrels then they're big and so you don't have as much oak 
to wine ratio. Right. So that's why maybe we have a little, even though it's only 30% new, potentially it's why, I mean, I'm, it's not overpowering, but I can definitely taste the oak. Yeah, and it's almost, I wouldn't say on the taste, but on the, certainly on the nose, I think it almost smells a little like resiny, like yeah. almost, almost pine-like, um, just a, just a hint. But, you know, that's what you, you want a cab to have some oak on it, oh, so yeah. I think this is a, a very typical medium of the road, I, or middle, did I say medium of the road? <laughs> I think it's, it, maybe me? it's because I said medium before. Okay, middle like medium of the plus road, toast, right? Napa okay. cab. There you go. I'm going to keep drinking it. You're going to yeah, keep, keep drinking it. Yeah, let's keep drinking it. And we'll, we'll get there. But um, anything else about textbook that we want to talk about? Yeah, so I think a few things. Number one, it, it does say even on the label, it was hand-picked, hand-sorted. They are very much, you know, they're all about their handiwork there at textbook. It is owned by the Pay family, or rather, it was owned by the Pay family. So last year, Textbook Vineyards was bought out by, um, I was going to say a conglomerate, but I, I won't go that far as to equate it to like the big constellation group and whatnot. Right. But it was bought out by the Distinguished Vineyards and Wine Partners. And so they've become part of the portfolio that... They have, um, it looks like a wine from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. They actually Argyle in Willamette Valley. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? I was very surprised. Wow. Um, they also bought uh, Markham, which is also another Napa one. Okay. And it's another big name there uh, for the Merlot. So, uh-huh. th- I mean, Jonathan Pay founded this with his wife in 2004. And he seems like a really cool guy. We've, I've, we found an interview from the Napa Valley Vintners, which is really kind of funny because it talks about like what would you be doing and he wishes he was playing soccer with Manchester United <laughs> and then he was nice. like but then I would wake up and my dream would be over and it would be sad but essentially it seems like this distinguished vineyards they very much they don't want to necessarily influence they just mm-hmm. want to make sure that they have a portfolio of really amazing wines and so this particular label textbook is available in to consumers in 46 states and six different countries and it's just seen like huge growth and is known to be like a premium wine to be honest Um, I want to say that this one cost maybe I want to say it was like 35 36 okay there's your neighbor mowing on cue yep it's it's just about that time late in the evening when you know we decide we mow. That's okay. And apparently, it's every time that we record. Basically, they're Even like, I don't think they're that like, let's she wait. Mows every day. Let's wait. Let's wait yeah. till we hear so, multiple people talking. But anyway, you guys, we're just trying to be COVID responsible, okay? And you okay. know what? Today's a beautiful day. It, it it's not like it's been like in the nineties. Like it. I mean, I was like melting. I know. <laughs> this past week. I know, but it's going to be, like, really nice weather the next week. And so we're just trying to take advantage of it before we're all locked in our houses again. Yeah, and I've tried to – I will fully admit I've tried to read more, like, laying by the pool Mm -hmm. at our apartment complex. And so that is, you know, with it being so hot – with it being that hot, it kind of is a deterrent to go out and do that. Yeah. Um, So now that things seem to be, like, cooling off just mildly, I think I'm going to be able to do that again. So I will have more books ready for next time. But – the other thing, Sarah, did we want to did we want to mention to our our listeners, in case you haven't noticed, we have started to go to an every other week posting, and that is 
there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, one of which, like, I'm I'm gonna blame it on myself. Um, my job situation is crazy. Well, it was crazy for a while, and so I'm hoping that things settle down a little bit. But my one company I left, uh, they were closing. Now I'm starting a new position, which is really great, but it's also gonna take up a lot of time. So we're also trying to look for a house. Like, there's just a lot of nonsense going on. Good nonsense. But still, so we're we're hanging out. We're gonna sit tight with the every other week for a little bit, and then um, probably go back to weekly once things settle a bit. Yeah, but that's okay because we're gonna keep still bringing you guys some great content. Oh, for sure, so, for sure. You know, yeah, we'll we'll still be here twice a month and every other week, and it'll just give you guys a chance to kind of catch up on the ones you haven't heard that's yet. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So, all right. So, should we get into our um, books here? Yes, let's. Okay. Are you going to go first? Because I, your first book on the list here is very intriguing to me. Oh, well. And I know you've talked to talked to me about this one before, yes. and I've never read it, and I might have to borrow it. That's fine. I actually have a book from last DBP Book Club that I need to borrow from you. Okay, so my first book, which I actually have here with me, is called The Emperors of Chocolate. And I know that I've talked about this before. I think it was during our chocolate talk episode. Yes. yes. For number 41 for anyone who like wants to hear more about chocolate and like a chocolate and wine tasting. But this this is a very interesting book and I will say it may not be for everyone. Um, but it is, it was written, it was published in 2000. It was written by a woman by the name of Joelle Glenn Brenner. And I think she used to write for the Washington Post, but she wrote like business articles. Okay. In all honesty, this book, I mean, I love chocolate. You love chocolate, Sarah. <laughs> Are you kidding? I love chocolate. Uh, chocolate is like a necessity in life, I yeah. think. Yeah. And so this book is all about chocolate and it's all about like the giants it mostly focuses on the two giants Mersh- mars and hershey mershey 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 whatever so long story short i first learned about this book not because i just did random searches because i've stumbled upon great books that way but because i was a freshman in college like an undergrad and my management class there were groups assigned to read different books and across different industries and report back about management styles And unfortunately, I was landed, and that is a pun intended, in the group covering the airline industry. And I remember being super pissed off that that was the book that I got assigned because I was like, what the hell? I don't want to learn about Southwest or American or TWA that doesn't exist anymore. And so another group got assigned this book. And I was just like, damn it. I was like, I want to be in that group. So I've always kept this book in the back of my mind. And eventually... It took me many, many years, and it was only a few years ago that I finally picked it up um, and read it because I just love chocolate, to be honest. So, And I wanted to learn more, and there's also that geeky side of me that was like, I feel like they would have some really interesting innovation stories and just business uh, business mm-hmm. um, stories, too. That's kind of why I chose this book. And? Tell us about it. I'm Because, I mean, Mars versus... Mars versus... Hershey. Yeah, it's re- it's much harder to say. Actually. It really is. Maybe it's the wine. That could be why. It could be. It could um, be. The night is young. Mars. So I have to say, I mean, I am mm. much more a Mars fan than a Hershey fan. Okay, so like, what are your favorite things? Mars. <laughs> <laughs> like the actual candy bar, Mars. <laughs> 
I've never had a Mars bar. So get, yeah, and that's because, like, I grew up with, like, some English candies. That's true. So. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that is one of the most fascinating things about this book. Because these companies did not, it's not like they started out with like global domination or like in these, as these huge giants in the industry who owned basically and made basically all the candies that you would immediately come to uh, mind. So every, each one of these started off very small, like Hershey started off making caramels. And Mars, ah. like you said, Mars, Mars has a very interesting past. But Mars actually, they went overseas and went to England yep. and really spent time cultivating customers there and tastes that were very specific to the European market. And that's something that was super important, I think, for both groups because American taste, European taste. Is, is it that American taste has a lot more fillers? sugar? Yeah. Um, I don't know about sugar, fillers, sugar but like not chocolate, right? Sugar, yeah, for sure the sugar. I think that there's also in terms of the processes that are used, and many are very secretive. That's like the other funny thing about this book. Like a lot of this stuff, like this author Joelle, I don't know how she got in there because both companies are typically extremely secretive and mindful over like what it is that they. So no sharing of recipes. Correct. You guys aren't going to get that recipe for the Hershey's on your s'mores. I really think that it's interesting, certainly from a business perspective, because you get to see and learn, like, a great deal about, like, the origin and the the innovation. And, again, just kind of, like, what how things happened. Because these two have fought back and forth over the number one spot as candy uh, maker. So, yeah, it was just, it's very cool. It's very cool. It sounds cool. So recommend it? Oh, definitely. Okay. I I would say that it's for, like, chocolate lovers and business-minded people alike. Now, I will admit I'm a little sad that this book was published in 2000 and there is not a newer version of it because I think it would be fascinating to hear how things have changed since... 20 years. 20 years. But, like, like with technology and just accessibility... And one of the other things that I think is so interesting, and I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna share this with you because I never knew this, and my I should have picked up on this any other time that I've read the book. Have you ever heard of Ethel M. Chocolatiers? No. Okay, so I first learned about it. Like I think I was downtown Chicago with my sister one time, and we found these Ethel chocolates, and we were like, God, these are really good. And then all of a sudden, we couldn't find them. And then I was in the Las Vegas airport for like a work conference and there's an Ethel chocolatier like in the airport and I was like what the hell like this is amazing I come to find out it is actually associated with Mars ah Forrest Mars no wonder it was so good yes Forrest Mars Jr. branched out and created this and he created it in Las Vegas because it was at the time it was the only state that would allow liqueur filled um, chocolates, oh, which are so good, by the way, delicious. However, I definitely, I mean, they're tr- oh god, their truffles are so good, but they're just their bars in general are good. And I went on their website, and they sell Mars bars, and they sell these other bars called Forever Yours. I just think it would be really cool to taste all of those because, you know, they wouldn't put it out if they didn't feel that it was actually true to like the original flavor. Of course. So, anyway, I would totally recommend it, and you're more than welcome to to hang on to this when I leave. Okay, I might take you up on that. Yeah. 
So uh, tell us your first book. Um, okay, so the first one on my list is called Gemini. I like from astrology, yeah. Gemini? Really? Yeah. I can't tell you why I chose it because I don't remember buying it. I do know I bought it. It was actually I mean, like obviously. a bargain sticker on there. Okay. Like from like like an airport or a Barnes half and price Noble books or something. Or, okay. Yeah, something like that. But I just found it on my shelf because, you know, we recently redid our library and we put all these books on our shelf. And I was like, I don't remember buying this. And I know I probably did. I think actually the receipt was in there or something. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, why did I buy this? I'm like reading it, you know, reading the back. I'm like, well, I'm just going to read it. It must have intrigued me for some reason. You might reason. as well, right? So it's by Carol Casala. She's the author of the national bestseller Oxygen. And she's a physician novelist and speaker okay all right so anyways the story is about this woman so there's two main is it a true story is it no okay no there's two main women in the in the story one is the physician her name is charlotte okay and the other one is this she's unidentified and she's airlifted to this hospital from She's a victim of a hit and run. She ends up in Charlotte's ICU. They don't know who she is. She's a Jane Doe. Okay. So. Gotcha. The physician becomes, like, so Charlotte comes consumed with questions regarding this Jane this Doe's person. identity. Oh, and wow. what happened to her. And her boyfriend does, like, invest. Like, she Charlotte's boyfriend? Recruits, yeah. She basically recruits her boyfriend to help her investigate. Um. And then they go into, like, so it switches between, like, Charlotte's life and this Jane Doe's life. And then... Do you slowly figure out who this Jane Doe is? So you do. And then the boyfriend is, like, involved. Oh. So at the end, you figure out, like, there's a there's a link between the women. Oh. Okay. Now, here's my thing. I thought it was really good in keeping you, in like, intrigued and, like... You were like, I mean, I was into this book until the la- ending. No. Because in the ending, I no. feel like it was a little lackluster. And, like, I don't feel like all the dots were connected. Like, there were certain actions that happened where I was like, there's no reason for that. You haven't explained this. Like, I uh, think there's more. Like, she could have she could have elaborated. She could have built more of the storyline. Yeah. You know. Okay. Well, all right. No, I think the storyline was built really well until the end where it was like, why would this person do this? There's Mm. no, there was another character that was brought in who wasn't really like part of the big story, but did they serve a role? Okay. Yes. He was like the hit and run person, but like there wasn't a, there wasn't a like, I, I just did not get character building for that person. And I didn't feel like I understood all of it. And then at the end, I actually had more questions. I feel like, like that's kind of dissatisfying. Yeah, like the very... Unsatisfying? Dissatisfying. It was... A, <laughs> so, I think it was an entertaining book. It kept me intrigued. I, like, kept... Com- like, I finished it pretty quickly. But at the end, I was kind of like, well, fine. That seems like one of the books that I read last time, remember? And I was... When I read the ending, I was just like, what the hell? Where did we just go? Like, I feel, like, completely unresolved here. Yeah, exactly. And... There's a medical thing in here that's interesting, and I think maybe she was trying to, like... Play into that one? She was trying to put that, like... 
in there and like make it a focal point. Mm. But at the same time, I kind of was like, ah, oh, so far reaching. Oh no. You know. So not really. I mean, I would say definitely I've read worse books. It does keep you going. <laughs> it is well written. But like I said, I just think the ending was eh. But I mean, it's better than other books I've read. So, you know, would I recommend it? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I would say if, if I had like five choices and like three of them were no's and two of them are yeses, I mean, maybe I would. You're not really selling it too much. For yeah, me. I don't like, know. So, I mean, that's the hard part is that I, it's, okay, so as you described, the majority of the book had you captivated. It was very yeah. interesting. It had a lot of mystery and a lot of going on that kept you, yeah. kept you connected. Right. It's so sad when you invest that much time and, and effort into it, and then it's just the ending. Like, normally, I'll if I read a book and, like, I'm, like, a quarter of the way through and I don't mm-hmm. really care for it, I'll, I may just put it down. Same. And so th- this, I feel like, they baited you. <laughs> it literally was just the last chapter. I was like, there's not more. Uh-huh. You know? So maybe, you know what? If there was, like, a sequel to this, oh, then I would say, okay, sure. All right. I mean, I may read Oxygen, her other book. I don't know. We'll see. All right. So, but yeah, so that's my first one. Nice. Yeah, I thought this was going to take us back to, like, numerology and astrology and stuff no, like that. No, I also think the, the name of the book could be better. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would ask, like, what you think it should be, but I don't know if that would give anything away. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I think it should be. I don't think it should be Gemini. Okay. Yeah. All right. On to number two. I read The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by by Suzanne Collins. I did not know that there was a new book in The Hunger Games. Now, did you read The Hunger Games? Yes. Did you like The Hunger Games? I liked the first one. I wonder. I could lend you this one, too, if you're interested in reading it. So... I read them, you know, a long, long time ago. I read the whole series. I've watched the movies. Mm -hmm, Same. If I could go on a soapbox for a minute, I feel like the movies did not follow things in the book. Exactly. You're right. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they changed certain things that I was just like, why did you change that? Like, the way that it was written in the book was so integral to, like, the storyline. It was mildly infuriating. So if you haven't read the books and you watch the movies, eh, you're not missing out on too much, I guess. But the books are, I thought, were pretty good. They're not well written, though. They're, they're good. Well, okay, okay. They're interesting, but they're not, like, you're not like, oh, this is well written. Keep in mind, though, this is young adult. This mm-hmm. is young adult dystopian literature. And this mm-hmm. is Hunger Games. We had Di- the Divergent series. Mm-hmm. We had Twilight series, which I yeah. also don't think is are written very well. Those right. are fucking hard. I haven't read any of those. Oh, my God. Well, I just found out today that there's a fourth or a new one coming out of that. Okay. Hell no. No. No, no. I won't read that. Um, That one's from Edward's perspective, in case anybody cares. Sorry if you're Twilight fans out there. (laughs) But The Hunger Games, so this book, I was stupid. I thought it was a continuation of the story, like years down the road. I was dumb. It's actually the opposite. It's a prequel. Okay. I don't know why I thought that. But... It is so interesting because it takes place 64 years before the original Hunger Games book. Wow, that's a very specific amount of years. It is. So this is the 10th annual Hunger Games. 
Okay. And this is like right around like the rebel, like the rebellion or a rebellion had happened already. And so lots of things were damaged. It was like the capital, like gaining power and everything. And the interesting thing, so like, so just a very brief summary for those who haven't read The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games is basically the capital, which I always equate this to like the U.S. Like do, when, whenever I read the books, I'm just like, they're talking about America. Oh my God, that's so funny that you say and, that. And you can look up like maps, but there are like 50 iterations of a map of Panem, which is their country. The capital essentially says that every district, and there are in this book 13 districts, but there are 12 in later books, and you will find out why, and I'm not going to tell you, but one male and one female tribute. So basically, they're meant to be children. Yeah. Um, and they are drawn from a lottery, um, you know, from a fishbowl of names, and they are meant to be the tribute to represent their district in a fight literally to the death. <laughs> so in the 10th annual ones, rather than being paired up with former tributes, like they are in the Hunger Games, they are paired up with capital, like, high schoolers. Oh, okay. And they are mentors to them, which was a really interesting take on it. And I, you follow, um, you're familiar with President Snow, yes? Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I think one could easily assume that you are following young President Snow mm. through this book. Mm-hmm. So, in, in I think, you know... I love this. So it says in the description, it says, ambition will fuel him, competition will drive him, but power has its price. And that is like, that's such a great summary of the book itself. And I think that there are so many fantastic things that Suzanne sneaks in like little tidbits and you're just like, oh, I feel like there's more that makes sense in the later books. Because you just pick up on these little teeny tiny things that she's tossed in there. I mean, and it could just be like a sentence and you're just like, ooh, that, I feel like there's a connection right there. And I mean, I could see how she could easily add more books in between this new one and the Mm -hmm. original Hunger Games. Um, I think that she has built it so that she could create that bridge um, and explore a little bit more. Um, One thing, did you know that these are like banned books? Like the Hunger Games series. Banned from where? Uh, schools. Oh. Yeah. No. Yep. And um, I remember in college I took a banned books class. And I, that's where I learned like Harry Potter was a very popular banned book. Um, okay. Why? This is witchcraft? Yep. That's Harry Potter. This one is interesting. They're banned because of insensitivity, offensive language, oh violence. My Wait. Hang on. Anti-family anti-ethnic and occult satanic Wait, topics how is it? those last ones i have no idea i have no idea it's just a fictional book i know i know i know i know i don't understand it and i'm just like what the whole point of fiction is that it's not true yeah no i mean there are themes like you want something that's enticing and interesting so yeah it's just crazy and i i mean i wasn't that surprised to hear that these were like very commonly banned books from from like schools and i'm sure towns have banned them like libraries and things like that too but yeah i liked this book i mean if 
If you like the Hunger Games, I would say like definitely pick this up because of okay. the the cool parallels that there were. And I just, it was a nice look back, almost like, you know, did you ever see Joker? No. Oh, well, I I know that that is a debated movie as yes, well. Yes, I do too. But I actually I liked it because it gives you insight into the formation of this person's psyche and how how their behaviors were shaped by what they encountered when they were growing up. Huh. And I think that that is very similar here. And I just, yeah, I really liked it. I don't know. I might have to check it out because I was a Hunger Games book fan. I am happy to share that with you. I, I kind of, the third book was a little much for me, but I feel like the... It got, first, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the second were... You know, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Um, all right. What's your so, second okay, one? My second is I'm excited. I read a while back, but it was on my shelf and I couldn't not talk about it. Please share. Please share. Uh, it's um, Kitchen. I don't know why I need to hold it in my hand. Because it feels good to do yeah. it. It's uh, Kitchen Confidential. Do a presentation. Ad- yeah, Adventures <laughs> in the Culinary Underbelly. Anthony Bourdain is one the of author. your faves. Yes. Why this book? I mean, obviously, I've been a huge Bourdain fan um, for years because of his show on CNN, Parts Unknown. Yep. I did read this before he died. Um, So, like I said, I read this a while back. So, what is it? He's just right. It's him, obviously. And he's writing about, you know, his early life, his life when he first got into the restaurant business. Really? Um, Yes. His road to becoming a chef at a fancy restaurant. Um, he talks about his time in Massachusetts, his, his, how he fell in love with the kitchen, you know, and all of that sounds very romantic. It does. It's the way you described it too. Like how he fell in love with the kitchen. Love. Love. It's not like that though. It's like totally like if you've watched his shows, it's like that. And I haven't. I mean to. Oh gosh, you haven't? No. So many hours of just entertainment <laughs> coming to you so but really it late it's there's a lot of profanity okay you know it's like his show where like there's a very very edgy realism that he has but you know it keeps you it keeps you it's very enticing to read this um he talks about drugs he talks about sex he talks about like the debauchery of the kitchen life Oh, I'm sure. And just, you know, all the serious things about, like, that, the restaurant life. And it's not glamorous. It's not glamorous. There's horror stories for sure. Um, Okay, I do have an excerpt. Oh, do you? Okay, please, please. There will be horror stories. Heavy drinking, drugs, screwing in the dry goods area. Oh! Unappetizing revelations about bad food handling and unsavory scrapings from the bottom of the barrel. (laughs) And why seafood frittata is not a wise brunch selection. This won't make me any more popular with potential future employers. My naked contempt for vegetarians, sauce on ciders, the lactose intolerant, and the cooking of the Ewok-like Emerald Lagasse is not going to get me my own show on the Food Network. (laughs) And that is basically the whole book. Is him just like laying it out for you. Oh my God. I, you know, what's funny. I actually, I have heard that Emerald is a very disliked, um, cooking entity. I have, I have too. Yep. And I used to be a fan of his when I was younger, but you know, things change. Um, um, okay. Here's another one. 
just so you guys are aware of this. Shrimp. All right. If it looks fresh, smells fresh, and the restaurant is busy, guaranteeing turnover of product on a regular basis. But shrimp toast, I'll pass. I walk into a restaurant with a mostly empty dining room and an unhappy-looking owner staring out at the window. I'm not ordering shrimp. So, like... Uh, noted. <laughs> there's just, like, these things where you're like, oh, God, okay. And, like, he's really putting it out there for you. Oh, Anyways. see, now I want to read it. If only to... Like, I worked in plenty of restaurants, and so I know that there are some unsavory things that may happen, but not, not like what he's describing. Like... I worked with a guy who weirdly used to take like take French fries off of people's plates and eat them like after he cleared their plates away. That's disgusting. And I was like, but that doesn't affect you're my life. So, exactly. I'm like, you're so gross. Like he would take it and then like put it underneath the counter and just like munch on it. And I was like, people have touched that. Like gross. Ugh. I am very in- interested in this because I think I mean I think it would make me never want to eat out. <laughs> well, I mean the other thing is is like he talks about like. These restaurants in, you know, Massachusetts when he first started, but then like the these high, high, high ranking restaurants, these like the top of the top, you right. know, how he worked his way up and I mean, yeah, I wish he wasn't dead. So would I mean, would you recommend the book? Yes, of course. If you're especially Okay. If you're a Bourdain fan. If you like that stuff. If what you if you're like not a Bourdain fan? Can you take yourself outside of the Bourdain fandom? You have to be okay with, like, it being pretty raw and, like I said, there's a lot of profanity. So you need okay. to be okay with that. And if you are, 100%. So his delivery his delivery may not be everyone's cup of tea, but mm-hmm. it's – that's him. That's, like, his personality it's shining it's through. it's real. It's yeah. real. I, he's not going to sugarcoat it, and he's not going to lie. Take that with a – you know, take that for what it is. All right. So I think last time you mentioned another book that was – also, like, food-related. Oh, yes. The Cooking with Apples one. Yes. Yeah. And she's got mm-hmm. recipes in there Yeah, and that's a too. very different food-related one than Gotcha. One. Gotcha. But I feel like you have a theme. Oh, I yeah. Feel like- I, I mean, I love to cook. And I love... Like, Adam and I always are watching, like, cooking shows. Mm-hmm. And, like, we watch, you know, the Anthony Bourdain shows. And um, what's the... Chef's Table. We watch that all the time. Yeah. So, like, it's a theme for sure. Very, very well identified, Jamie. (laughs) Your theme. Yeah. I'm all about a theme. What do you have next? All right. So my last one. See, I have a theme too. Um, I do a lot of young adult stuff. Just because it gets me out of like the craziness of other things. I need to read some adult. seriousness of adult life? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, basically. So this next book is called The Lost Causes of Bleak Creek. Say that five times best. Mm-hmm. And it was written by these two guys, Rhett McLaughlin and Link Neal. All right, so you might be wondering, like, Jamie, how on earth did you stumble upon this book? Because mm-hmm. it seems so random. And you would be right. However, I started watching, I like, on YouTube. Sean watches so much YouTube. And there's always those recommendations for different things to to watch. And I think that's how this came up. But there is a show. There's like a channel and a show called Good Mythical Morning. And it's these two guys, Rhett and Link. And they're funny. Like they've been friends since first or second grade. Mm -hmm. They're hilarious, uh, if I do say so myself. And they have like a lot of different themes of their discussions, of their shows. But they do like taste 
contests or ta- like they just they did like a um, an ice cream like a four part ice cream battle and they would taste like two ice creams. It was just like one of those what is it a bracket? So anyway, I think okay. they're really funny. They mentioned this book because they were busy promoting it, and so I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna read this. They're a little older than me, but like when they talk about things, I definitely resonate with what they're describing and what uh-huh. they've lived through. So I was like, eh, it'll be a nice departure from like the stress. So this book, it's again young adult uh, mystery, but uh-huh. it is based in 1992 in North Carolina, which incidentally is where these two are originally from. Okay. And it follows these two high school freshmen, Rex and Leaf. I'm going to let you guess which is Rhett and which is Link. Um, because it's so funny, like, reading the book, like, you can't not picture little versions of themselves or hear their voices in the characters. It's kind of funny. Like, once you know what they sound like. Uh-huh. Um, so basically, like, this is a really small, quiet, you know, happy-go-lucky town. Nothing really bad happens. But the thing is that there is a school in the area called Whitewood School. And it's a local reformatory mm-hmm. where they basically take, like, any of the youths who are just, like, really just shitheads, basically. Mm-hmm. They take them into the school. And when they leave, it's like they're, t- they're like, they're, like, just shelves shells of themselves like they're no longer emotive they're just like dull there's like no feeling behind them at all and it's really weird and so these two guys their best friend gets sent there because of some incident that actually all three of them were part of and so the two of them are like on this mission to help her escape because they, there are rumors that go on and on about this. And so as the story unfolds, you kind of learn more secrets that go on in this town. And it's, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Okay. I liked that I could, you know, assign. I love like, how the, the, the movie thing is Polterdog. Polterdog, yeah. It, it's, That's a really bad name. It's very fitting for the two of them. Okay. But, but yeah, no, they uh, they very much are polter dog. You knew it's going to be bad anyway. It was like this project that they had to submit to like a film festival or something. And like, it's just so crazy. Okay. But yeah, so that is like the catalyst for everything. And to be honest, like I thought the book was more interesting to me simply because I liked the two authors. And again, I could, I could hear and see these two characters in my mind. I always like when you can do that, like when you picture somebody in a role. But, uh-huh. you know, I'm going to admit that there were some slow parts. Okay. And normally, like, I again, I, I do have a theme. I read a lot of young adult literature. But this one actually almost felt like a little too young, if that makes sense, if I of could course. say that. I, I mean, mean, yeah, like, young adult's okay. But, like, when you're, like, in the 13-ish range, yeah. maybe that's, like, a little pushing it. Yeah, I feel like this is definitely – it's – it's certainly not in the same vein as like Hunger Games or something mm-hmm. like that. It's it feels like it's reaching to that. It's targeting a slightly younger group, and so like yeah. I'm talking like preteen, very early teens. So I think that it would be great for any type of reader that age group who enjoys mystery and adventure because uh-huh. that's the the book is full of it, and you know it's it kind of keeps you guessing and and just like unravels things, and it's right. exciting from that perspective, but. It was not one, like, it was one of those where I, I forced myself to finish it. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't like I was, like, twisting my arm to do it. But 
Maybe not next time. <laughs> maybe not next time. I would get it for my nephew. Okay. Um, but yeah. So maybe not probably for our listeners. No, probably not. But if you have a younger, like, sibling, younger nephew, cousin. niece, cousin, child, anything, yeah. like, this may, be, this may be an interesting pick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. What's your last one? Okay. So it's not traditional it's not typical <laughs> it's actually weird it's weird, it's weird. all right i'm not gonna so read you weird. the whole story either but it is really fitting for the time we're in is it yes okay so it's called who moved my cheese many of you have probably heard of this i've heard of it spencer johnson md okay i this was given to me by a mentor that i had in my training a while back I read it, I'm not going to tell you how many years ago, a long time ago, (laughs) and I recently was rereading some pieces of it. So anyways, um, it's a motivational business fable. So it basically describes change in someone's like work and life and the four typical reactions to those changes Oh, by two mice and two little people during their hunt for cheese. It was a bestseller for five years. It was published in 1998, and it was it has sold over 26 million copies. It's in 37 languages. It's one I'm of the definitely, best-selling business yeah. books. Okay. So there's four characters. There's two mice, Sniff and Scurry, and two little people. The human metaphors, hem and haw. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, the little people are for hem and haw, which means indecisiveness, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So they live in a maze, which is, like, representative of your environment. And they look for cheese, which is representative of happiness and success. And initially, without cheese, each group (laughs) pairs off. And they travel, look like their little hallways looking for cheese. And they both come upon this cheese-filled hallway called Cheese Station C. Okay, and they're really happy with that. And then the humans establish a routine around their daily intake of cheese, becoming, you know, and they're pretty proud about that. And then Sniff and Scurry get there, but they don't find any cheese left. But they're not surprised. So they know that the cheese supply is dwindling. Oh, no. So they've mentally prepared, but they're like arduous in the task of finding more cheese. Anyways, I'm not going to give away the rest. I feel like this is like the toilet paper situation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to give away the rest. But basically what it says when you start looking at the point of the story is that change happens. Your cheese is going to keep moving. Mm. You have to get ready for the cheese to move. You got to monitor change. You need to smell the cheese often so you know when it's getting old. You have to adapt to change quickly. (laughs) Okay, the quicker you let go of the old cheese, the sooner you can enjoy the new cheese. And by the way, everyone, we are eating cheese right now. (laughs) We're eating new cheese, by the way. New cheese. It is new. So they keep moving the cheese, and the cheese represents obviously like change. Okay. So, anyway, it's a very, you can see this now. I'm holding it up to Jamie. It's a very small book. Oh, yeah. It's a very quick read. Like, look at these letters. Uh, here's a cheese. Oh, that's okay. some. I feel like those are like the size font of like yeah. a, ch- a children's book. Exactly. So, <laughs> would I recommend it? Absolutely. If you're looking for a pick me up, 
or a different perspective in the face of change, which we are all facing right now. Every one of us this year has had to face change. Does this book, does it sort of like, it's a story, and then does it go into like sort of questions or prompts to like get you thinking more methodically um, about the situation that occurred? No. Okay. Okay. No. But there are like <laughs> interpretations of this book. Okay. Um, and I know that there's criticisms like if if bosses give these books to people in times of change that is not good for their employees, like maybe that's not the best way to like use this, right? Yeah. But, you know, I think all of us are experiencing change and maybe this will help give you motivation to succeed during these times where like things are just messed up, right? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, change is inevitable and like we just got to go with it. I the cheese hear keeps you. moving. Who the moved cheese? my cheese? I mean, as long as somebody didn't cut the cheese, like I think we're yes. okay. But no, that's so interesting. I never knew like really what that book was about. Yeah. I I've certainly seen it. I mean, and if, being in business school, I'm I'm sure a lot of my professors used to tell me about it, but I just never I've never picked it up. There is a note to me that is written in your Aww. So, yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Hold on to it uh, forever and ever. Yeah. I like wow, that. We have like books. two like business businessy books. I know, and, and I'm not even bit. a businessy person. Yeah, I'm really proud of myself. That. For I mean, that. that that's more like a life. That's almost like yeah. a tidy up. True story. Marie Kondo shit. Oh yes. Um, I need some condo in my oh, life God. right now. So, is there anything that you're reading right now? There isn't, but now you know I might have to read your chocolate book. But okay. I gotta read some stuff for next book club, man. I know. We got some new. We got to get some new material. I'm actually reading this one book. I was hoping to finish it, but by the time that we recorded this episode, but I'll definitely save it for the next one. I gotten it from my best friend, and she, she gave it to me um, earlier this year. And it's called Wine Reads, and it has like excerpts from so many different publications. And it's it's they're not necessarily like just about wine. But, like, Jim Harrison's A Very Big Lunch. Like, yeah. there's a snippet from there. Oh, you know um, what? That's a book I should finish reading I, and do for our next. Please do. Book. That's on my list of books to okay. read still. But, um, yeah, I was like, oh, I'll get a little Jim Harrison in here. But there's also, like, Jancis Robinson. And okay. even, um, I think, from the Cork Dork, uh, Bianca, who oh, we had read okay. before. Like, nice. So I'm excited for that. I'm only, like, a third the way done. Um I'm dedicated to finishing by the time we have our next one. All right. Well, a preview, guys. Yeah, a mini preview. So what are you thinking of this wine? You know, even though it's like summer out and, I mean, maybe because it's not baking, I think this is like a perfect sipping wine. I would agree. I, I mean, I think it is. It's great, I think, for reading a book. Yes. Um, it's great for having some cheese. I, it um, has like a, I feel like it has like a lot of cherry on it, too. And at least on the nose. And so, and again, I get this like little hint of like, little hint of sweetness that I think, as we said before, is probably, yeah, probably more from the oak. True. But. Yeah. There's not as much tannin as, as you'd expect from a cab. So that's something just to kind of note. But I think it's a good, like, easy drinking cab. Yeah. Easy drinking California cab. Uh, easy sure. drinking Napa Valley. Like, we're yeah. talking about, like, three main sites in Napa. True. Like, Stag's Leap District, Oak Knoll District, and Oakville District. And yeah. those are three. I mean, Napa Valley in and of itself is 
uh, well respected for the grapes and the quality, but those three in particular are pretty, pretty good. I'm digging it. I am too. And for the cost, I mean, online when I was looking, it was somewhere around like 30-ish or 33, I Which think. Which isn't too bad for a Napa cab. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. But All the right. sad part, oh, I don't know if I mentioned this, their website is defunct. I'm like so upset about it because I wanted to find out actual like more history and more details about their stuff. Well, so maybe they'll, they'll call us and let us know. Maybe. Textbook, we're going to tag you. Yeah, we will. Let us know where you're at, guys. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think this is really good and definitely a great accompaniment to the next reads for sure. All right. Well, on that note, I will cheers you. Cheers, friend. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.